my name is Jensen. For those of you who do not know me, uh, it's good to be able to share a word with, with you all, especially for the 10.30 a.m. service. I think the smart ones come at 10.30 because we get to sleep in. Uh, uh, but the Christians are really on fire, come for 9 a.m. Uh, <laughs> uh, just being honest. Um, so, so I am aware that today is September 11th, and you know that uh, many, many, many years ago, something tragic happened in 9-11. Um, the world hasn't changed much, hasn't it? We're still surrounded by bad news. We're still surrounded by crisis. We're still surrounded by, you know, just depressing news all the time. Right? You, you go to Facebook, most of the time you just hear people complaining. <laughs> people are just unhappy. And we're surrounded by bad news, but I thank God that when we come together in the house of God, I can tell you some good news. Because here, I get to share with you about a good God. And today is my pleasure to be able to tell you about our eternal 3G coverage. We now in 5G, I'm sure pretty much we're going to go 6G in our telecommunications technology. But I think there is something special with our spiritual eternal 3G coverage, which is God's guaranteed goodness. I know it's tacky. I know it's cheesy, but it's just live with it. It's, all right. it's our eternal 3G coverage, which is God's guaranteed goodness. And this is what I want to share with you today because we use the word good so often, isn't it? How are you doing? Good, right? And then you never, you know, you never really think about, oh, what does that mean? I see that all the time in my practice as a doctor. I call a patient in, how are you doing? Oh, I'm very good, doctor. And then they come with a whole list of problems. That means uh, you're not good, mate. <laughs> Why do you say I'm good? Uh, because it, it's such a casual word nowadays, isn't it? And you know, sometimes we, we as Christians, we, we also can get caught up in this whole, oh, God is good. Oh yeah, God is good. But you never really thought about what, what do we really mean when we say God is good. And today, I hope you can take this journey with me and just have a little bit of a pause and think about what we really mean when, I, when we say that we serve a good God. Why don't we go to our main passage of Scripture today? Uh, you will have to take out your electronic Bibles or your old-fashioned Bibles. Uh, I haven't loaded it up on the, um, on the church app, so uh, I'm sorry. Uh, so Luke chapter 18, verse 18 to 19. This is a very, very, very important event in the life of Jesus' ministry because you actually find it in three different Gospels. You see it in the Gospel of Matthew. You see it in the Gospel of Mark. You see it in the, book of, in the Gospel of Luke as well because this is the story of the rich young ruler. This is the story of a religious ruler who came to Jesus. And in Luke chapter 18, it says, Once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. In the other passages of scripture, it actually says that the religious leader or a rich young ruler came to Jesus and asked him this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do? What good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And realize that Jesus actually turned the question around. Say, why do you call me good? What do you mean by good? He actually says, he turned the question around by saying, only God 
is truly good. So the question we have to ask ourselves is not what is good, is who is good. We have to know where the source of goodness comes from. It is not from an action, it is from a person. And Jesus himself says, only God is truly good. So what does the word good mean? The word good in scripture comes from a Greek word, agathos. And agathos means good constitution, excellent, honorable, upright. You realize that the word agathos is actually a noun and an adjective. I'm not an English teacher, but this is the best way I can explain it to you. All right? This is a guitar. That's a noun. That's an object. All right? That's a drum. That's a noun. An adjective is something that describes the noun. That's a very good drum. That is a very good keyboard. Right? So we have an adjective and a noun all in one. But it sums up who God is, isn't it? Because God is intrinsically good. Because God is the definition of goodness. The same way when we say God is love, we're not saying that God can love. We're not saying that God is loving. We're saying God is love. That means God himself is the definition of love. The same thing we can say, that God is the definition of good. Because if you are intrinsically good, that everything you are is good, what produces out of you? Goodness. If God is love, then everything he does is love. So if God is intrinsically good, then we know that he will set the standard of what is good. Now, I'm sure that when you get on a plane, you would like to go on a plane that we know that the engineers have engineered a good plane, right? You want a plane that can take off, that the wheels come down at the right time, the wheels go up at the right time, all right? The flaps come on, the flaps come off at the right time. So you want good people to set the standard. When you have an operation, you want a surgeon that will be able to set the standard of what a good surgery looks like. When you get on a, in a car, you want to know that the car makers actually have made a good car. So you need a good car maker to make a good car. You need a good um, aeronautical engineer to make a good aeroplane. You need, you need somebody that is good to produce good things. Right? So God, being good, will always produce good things. And if he is truly the only thing that is good, then he sets the standard. Not you, not me. God sets the standard of what is good. So God's goodness, like I have mentioned earlier, is intrinsic to his being. That means it's, it's who he is. It's God's DNA. You can't change God's DNA. And because he's good, his actions are always good. King David had that revelation in Psalms chapter 119. He says, you are good and do only good. Teach me your decrees. James chapter 1 verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So we have a mighty God that is good. And everything he does is good. You want to see what is good? You see the results. You want to know whether uh, somebody is good at what they do? You see the results. 
um, because you can say I'm good, but you can be good for nothing. <laughs> All right? There's, there's such thing. I'm good, but I'm good for nothing. <laughs> All right? But you've got a good that's good for everything. All right? <laughs> so God's goodness is not good for nothing. You see God's handiwork that he is actually an excellent good creator. If you look at the human body, you know that it's quite hard to imagine that we have descended from some little cell that divides into something and we become monkeys and we become, become humans. Uh, I don't know about you, but I find the theory of evolution can only explain natural selection to a certain extent. But beyond that, you know, you can believe all the Big Bang theory you want, but my Big Bang theory is God, God spoke and bang, it happened. Right? That, is, that is my Big Bang theory because there is evidence in science of a good creator, of an intelligent designer. Right? You can't have all of this happen by chance. You can't have all the cellular metabolism and all the other stuff that happens in the human body happening by chance. It just can't happen that way. There is a designer and that designer is a good designer. And God is our creator. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31 says, God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. You know, it only takes one degree of deviation from the way our earth circles around the sun and we would have gone somewhere else <laughs> and we would have lost everything. We would be non-existent. You know, it only takes, you know, just a little bit of change in the way the earth operates, and we are gone. And you, you got to ask yourself that this can't all happen by chance. That there is a creator, and there is a creator that is good. And he has good handiworks. He has done something excellent in creation. Now, God is not just a good creator. He also says that he is a good father. Jesus, when Jesus was on this earth, he introduced something really radical to the Jewish people because the Jewish people never saw God as father. They always see God as this big cosmic guy that will zap me and kill me if I don't do the right thing. But when God, when Jesus came, he actually introduced God as a father, someone that is relatable, someone who loves. He gives the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 where we know all about the prodigal son but actually, this story is the story of the good father. This is the story of the father who made the most difficult decision to let his son go, but never gave up. Never gave up waiting for his son to return. Jesus also said, I am the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. And he's not a hired hand. He says, only hired hands will not lay down his life for the sheep, but I am the good shepherd. And he is a God who lays down his life for us. He's the God who keeps searching, searching for that one lost person, for that one lost sheep. He is the good shepherd. But he's not just a good father or a good shepherd. He also says that he's a good king. He's a good judge. He's fair. No, we, we are surrounded in a world full of injustice, but God is a God of justice. He's a good judge. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 to 35, he says, he gives the story of the wicked servant who owed a king. And the king says, you're going to go to prison because you owe me a lot of money and you can't pay. And the servant begged and begged the king. And the king says, I forgive you. I cancel all your debts. But the wicked servant went back and abused a lesser servant 
who owed him only a small amount of money and wanted to throw that servant into jail. So a good king, a just king, would bring that servant back and say, you are ungrateful. I will throw you to prison. So if you think of it, God is a good judge. Actually, you want a good judge, wouldn't you? If you want a God that actually allows everyone to do everything they want to do, can you imagine what a world it would be? Imagine uh, uh, as a father of three children, you know, I just sometimes, you know, when my kids do something risky, I stop them. I, I, I stop them because I, I say no, or, or, they, or they hurt somebody else. You have to judge the act. Otherwise, you spoil the child. So God sometimes bring, brings forth some discipline or judgment, not because he hates us, but because he loves us. So that's why God is a good father. He's a good shepherd. He's a good judge. So he needs to be all of this, isn't it? He can't be just the God who is like a hippie God, like, oh, do whatever you want, like, peace, peace, right? Or he can't be the policeman as well that just judges you all the time. God is all of it. Like, God, how do you balance all of this? I'll answer the question later. So we know that God is good. Who knows this picture? Who's a, who's a, who's a movie fan? That's Groot, right? He's a character from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and that, that's probably the Guardians of the Galaxy too. So there's this big, this, this big bad, bad cosmic guy. And Groot can only say one word, I am Groot, all right? And he has been tasked with detonating the timer on the bomb because only he can get in there. He's, too, he's small enough to get in there. And Groot is having a, a massive mental breakdown, he just, he just couldn't remember which button to press. And then everyone's calling, Groot, press the button, press the button. I am Groot, I am Groot, I am Groot. All right? Sometimes we feel that way, isn't it? When we're faced with suffering, when we are, in, when, when we are faced with a question that is as difficult as, you know, you, you talk about God that's good, but I, I'm suffering and there's so much evil and there's so much bad news. When you're faced with that question, you sometimes feel like Groot too. And all you can say, I am Groot, I don't know, I'm Groot. Right? And I don't know which button to press. Like, yeah, run away, <laughs> fight. But the Bible gives us a very, very clear answer on what is the origin of evil and suffering. The origin of evil and suffering is sin. What is sin? Right? Everyone thinks of sin as some sort of moral breakdown, which is true in a way, but sin is not just a moral breakdown. Because sin in its origin is the rejection of God. It's the rejection of what God stands for. It's the rejection of the standard God has set. Right? When God created the first human beings, he gave them everything, but he gave them the power of choice. And Adam and Eve got tempted by the serpent, which is Satan and decided to eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Do you know that the motivation for Adam and Eve to eat the fruit wasn't because the fruit is the most delicious fruit that is Instagrammable, that you can put it on Facebook. You know, people love to take pictures of fruit. I know, I, I'm like, um, Sharon loves it too. Yes, Sharon loves it, yeah. And food is meant to be eaten. But you know, you know it's not like, it, 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 it's not just an Instagrammable food. <laughs> You know, the motivation behind them taking the fruit is because they want to be better than God. They decided back then, 
that I'm going to reject whatever God has given me and I want to be God. And because of that, sin entered the human race. Sin didn't just enter the human race, sin entered the entire known universe that you and I are aware of. Romans chapter 5 verse 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. This is the bad news before I tell you the good news, my friends. You and I are not good. It doesn't matter what they say. They say, oh, he's a good lad. There's so much good in his heart because that's what society is trying to tell us. There is intrinsic good in every person. But I'm sorry to break this to you. This is bad news. You and I are not good. You and I have fallen short. You and I have missed the mark. You and I are sinners. You and I are not good enough. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. And the sooner we recognize that we are not as good, we can truly embrace God's goodness. And this is the problem with with our modern day society right now. It's because they're peddling so much of of the misguided truth that we are all good, that every human being is good. That when we speak the gospel and say that you are not good, you're sinners, it offends them. The gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive. All right. But that's the truth, that you and I are not as good. I don't need to teach my children to know how to, to be bad. You know, for those of you with kids, you know that you don't need any training at all to lie, to cheat, to hit your siblings, to steal, to advance your own dreams and ambitions. You don't need any training. It's natural. We're all gifted sinners. All right? It's, it's not a gift. It's a, it's a, it is the condition of the human heart. You see, so you and I are slaves to sin. This, our, our natural tendency is to sin, is to do what God doesn't want you to do. So sin corrupts the human heart and soul, as you've already seen like from the example I gave you about kids, and we're just naturally slaves to sin. Mark chapter 7 verse 21 to 22, from, from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Big list, yes. Um, but it's so true, because Jesus says from within our heart comes evil. So if our heart comes, is the source of all evil, then we are not that good. You see a lot of, you, we judge a lot of actions out there. That, oh yeah, that guy's committed a crime. Or that guy's done something really bad. Or that person's done this. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, that even if you say, I hate you to another person, you've already committed murder. Because Jesus is not trying to, Jesus is trying to prove the point that it is a problem of the heart. That sin is a problem, is the corruption of the human heart and soul. Even the apostle Paul after years and years of ministry, still admits in Romans chapter 7. He says, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. It's like a tongue twister, isn't it? But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. 
a tongue twister it is, but it's true because you always want to do something that you really don't want to do <laughs> yeah, because that is sin. And do you know that us as a church, we, we are really not a gathering of saints with halos. I'm sorry. All right, we are all sinners undergoing rehab. I'm on the process of being rehab for my sinful nature. You are being on the process of getting rehab. All right, so this notion that we are painting to the outside world that we are some sort of museum for saints. No, we are a hospital for sinners. We are a rehab facility. And so the, the moment we grasp that truth as a church, we can be more relevant to this world where we are actually sinners undergoing rehab. Sin corrupts the human heart and soul. Sin also brings a decay of creation. And you see so much stuff going on wrong in creation. You see all sorts of bad phenomenons happening and it's part of it is because of human, human doings or human actions but creation also suffered from the sin of Adam and Eve. Romans chapter 8 verse 20 to 21 say against his will all creation was subjected to God's curse but with eager hope the creation looks forward to the day when he will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. So creation is crying out for redemption. Creation is crying out for a restoration. And the sooner God restores human beings, creation will be restored as well. Do you know this picture? This picture is just an artist's depiction of Middle Earth, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. So, so those of you who watch Lord of the Rings, you know the influence of Sauron, the Dark Lord, uh, um, so goes all across Middle-earth. Right? That's, that's the same kind of picture I'm trying to paint with you without what sin does. It sort of spreads. It spreads like cancer. It spreads like cancer to our society. It spreads like cancer throughout creation. That is the decay of creation because of sin. And because of that, we need to deal with death. We need to deal with toil. Toil means hard work against all odds. And we have to deal with suffering. So why do we have evil and suffering? It's because of sin. And why do people die? That's because of sin. Why we have physical death? That's because of sin. It's just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes the judgment. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19, God told Adam that by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat. That means you work hard until you return to the ground from which you were made, which is death. For you were made from dust and to dust you will return. For the wages of sin is death. So physically, you and I have to come to terms with our mortality. I think we, uh, COVID-19 really brought a bit of a wake-up call to know that actually life is very fragile and we have to come to terms with our own fragility and our own mortality. And the source of this mortality is just because of the effects of sin. I know that um, I'm, like, I'm like one of those horrible doctors that are telling you a very bad diagnosis, isn't it? I'm breaking bad news. <laughs> but I want to tell you the good news now. What's God's response to sin? What would a good God do in response to sin? Who knows this picture? Bruce Almighty, right? So it's a story of this guy that's a total loser. 
and he complains to God, and God says, yeah, you, you look after creation <laughs> one day, and uh, it was quite a funny show, but yeah, it's, it's just for humor, right? Uh, like, you know, I, I love I loved the scene where he parted the Red Sea of, to, of, of tomato soup, right? <laughs> yeah, but Jim Carrey, in his character, finally realized that he can't do what God does. And I'm glad that despite all the sufferings and all the, all the horrible stuff that we see around the world today, God didn't give the reins to me. God didn't say, uh, hey, you sort it out, mate. Like, you, know, you, you, you do my job for one day and see what, see what happens. God has already provided a way. What does a good God do in response to evil and suffering? He gives us a way out. He gives judgment because he is a good judge. He has to judge the sin, but he also needs to save the sinner. So God judges the sin and saves the sinner by the act of redemption. So what is redemption? Redemption means paying the ransom. God paid the ransom because of our slavery to sin. He bought us back with a ransom. And you see God's pattern of redemption even from the very start of the fall of man. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve ate the fruit, they, their eyes were open and they realized they were naked. Guilt and shame came upon Adam and Eve. And what did God do? God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. So what does this mean? God actually started his work of redemption back then. From the guilt and shame of Adam, God actually killed an animal to make skin out of, to make clothing out of its skin to cover Adam and Eve. God did this first work of redemption or gave us the sign of his work of redemption back in Genesis chapter 3. And God continued this pattern in, even in the lives of the children of Israel when he says, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And that is how much God hates sin. Because when there is sin, God has to judge it because he's a good judge. But he's also a good father. He's also a good savior. And by the shedding of blood, he saves the sinner. He saves, he saves the one that is convicted of sin. And this whole practice of sacrifice for redemption came to its ultimate peak, its ultimate climax. When Jesus hung on that cross for you and I, for he became the perfect sacrifice. He became our ultimate ransom. God paid the ransom. He paid the highest price so that you and I can be restored back to God. So we have been reunited with Christ Jesus for those of us who, who have accepted Christ and decide to follow him. But we have been brought near to Christ, near to God through the blood of Christ. And just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. There you see judgment and redemption all at the same time. God doesn't just deal with the sin and save the sinner. He goes one step further. We are reminded of the Christmas story, isn't it? Where Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. He will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God didn't just redeem us. He came and shared our suffering. He came and walked side by side with us. He knows how, what it means. He knows how it feels to be hungry. He knows what it feels to, have, to, to be dealing with the pain of death and loss. 
He knows what it means to, to just see suffering. Because Jesus was fully human and fully divine at the same time. So he himself have gone through suffering and testing. He's able to help us when we are being tested. So we have a God that can walk through with us no matter what trials and what suffering and what, what difficulty you and I are going through mentally, physically, financially, socially. God says that I am with you. He says he's, he's still Emmanuel, God with us. John chapter 16 verse 33, he said, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So we have a good God that didn't just save us. He empathized with us. He actually walked side by side with us. And he's still walking side by side with you and I because he's given us his spirit. His spirit is our helper. His spirit is the one that walks with us when we come to know Christ. He gives us his spirit that testifies to Jesus Christ. And so God has given us everything we need because he's a good God. He's provided us everything. Because God is good, he can be trusted. Because God has set the standard, he can be trusted. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7 to 9, there's a call for the wicked to change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord so that they may have mercy, he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to God, for he will forgive generously. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And that's the encouragement that you and I can take that no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, that we can still trust a good God whose ways are higher than our ways and our thought, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Because I know there are many of us who are believing God for a breakthrough and we, we can't see that breakthrough at the moment. And sometimes we, we, we ask ourselves, will we ever see that breakthrough? My friends, I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. But I know a God that is still good. That's still good whether, whether you get the healing or not, whether you get the breakthrough today or, or 10 years from now, He's still the good God. And the best thing of all, He's there with you. He's there with you in the mud. He's there with you in the trenches. He's there with you at your lowest. He can be trusted. I invite the music team to come back up. And because God can be trusted, we can ask Him, for good things because we have a good God Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 verse 7 to 11 he says keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for keep on seeking and you will find keep on knocking and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open because God is a good father he even says in in verse 9 in Matthew chapter 7 you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? I'm glad he says he's a loaf of bread because if your children ask you for candy, you may think twice. Right? Um, but, if, but loaf of bread is something for our sustenance. All right? If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone? No. If they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts? to those who ask Him. God is ready to give you a gift. God is ready to give you a gift. In fact, He's already given you the best gift. He's given you the gift of His Son. But He doesn't just stop it there because He's got more gifts for you. He's got more gifts for you to be able to endure every trial this life can bring. 
So what is our response? We need to come before God and ask and ask and never give up asking. The, the, the story that Betcha is so powerful, they never gave up. They kept asking. And then one day, that breakthrough happened. Back to Luke chapter 18, verse 22. I'm going to close with this. The rich young ruler asked Jesus a very important question. And Jesus says, only God is good. And then he tells the rich young ruler to abandon it all and follow him. God is saying the same thing to each of us. Jesus' invitation is still out there for you and me. Come, follow me. Are you following Christ? Are you willing to follow Christ? It is hard. The The rich young ruler left without following Christ because he had too much material possessions. God is not against riches, but God is after our hearts. And, and the disciples start saying, wow, then who can be saved? Who can abandon it all and follow you? Jesus said, what is impossible for people is possible with God. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit, only through the power of Jesus Christ, we can actually come and follow Christ. This is the invitation to you and I. And if this is your first time, or you've, ne- you've, you've been thinking that, gee, I've never seen God in this light before. And if God is as good as what you say it is, that you say He is, I want to follow Him. If this is you, every, every head bowed and every eyes closed. I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to respond to God. You are in the presence of a good God. You're in the presence of a God who's always longing to do good things for you. And if this is the moment that that you think, gee, I really want to follow Jesus Christ. We're going to say a prayer really soon. But if this is your decision today, for every person in this room, if this is your first, if this is your decision, will you raise your hand? And for those of you who are listening and those of you who are watching, you can do the same too. Because you don't need me to see it. Because God sees it where you are. So if you have made that decision, I want to help you by us all together praying this prayer. There's nothing magical about this prayer. The prayer is just a conversation with God. But it just helps you to be able to communicate with God for the very first time to ask God, to ask Jesus to come into your life. So uh, we can open our eyes and we can say this prayer together. You don't have to repeat after me. We'll just say it together. And I promise I won't read so fast. Uh, Let's go. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God who died on the cross for my sins and rose again from the dead. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins and cleanse me by the power of your blood. I declare that you are now my Savior and my God from this day on and for the rest of my life. Thank you for making me a new person in Jesus Christ. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you said this prayer and you meant it with all your heart, I can guarantee you that you are now a child of God. You are now a new person. Your sins are forgiven and you are now a new creation according to the authority of the scriptures that Christ has come into your life. And if this is your very first time you've said it and you need some help, 
I strongly encourage you to approach one of our leadership team. Uh, approach Pastor Rob, Paulino, any one of us that is on stage. Approach the church leadership because we want to help you. We want to give you resources to begin your walk with Christ. And please come in contact with the church anytime because we really want to celebrate with you and just want to say congratulations in becoming a child of God. Lastly, I just want to pray for those of us who are struggling, that you find it hard to believe that God can be that good. That God, Lord, I'm struggling so much with my circumstances that I can't see the light of day, that I can't see if there is any hope. And I prayed and prayed and prayed, but I still can't see you. I want to, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will infuse you with faith that you've never seen before, will minister to you. So if that is you, every head bowed, every eyes closed again. I want you to raise your hands as a sign of God help me. Because I tell you that there is a good father here that's willing to give you good gifts. That he's willing to give you whatever you really need. And so if this is you, if you want to respond to God as every head bowed, every eyes closed, would you raise your hand as a sign of saying, God, I need you. God, I need you to come through for me. I recognize your goodness and that you are a good God. I pray, Lord, today that with every heart that responds, that you will give them a fresh revelation of how good you are. And let the revelation of God's goodness come upon every single person in whatever circumstances they find themselves in. For you are the great I am. You are everything we ever need. You are the great I am. And so, Lord, you will become whatever we need as we ask in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.